Welcome to the Fan Wagon Podcast, brought to you by the Pod City Network. Episode 3, kind of a milestone for Leo and myself. We bring in our very first guest. In light of the Sixers moving on in the playoffs to play our Celtics, we thought maybe it'd be a good time to focus on the sports scene in Philadelphia. And who better to bring in than Adrian Fedku of the PhillyInfluencer.com as well as Fox Sports Radio. He is a lifelong Philly native. He covers the Eagles and the Sixers, writing for both. And he gives us a bit of a bit of a rundown of how it's been, not only from a competitive standpoint, but just what it's been like to be in Philadelphia during this era, which is turning into be one of the better eras, or shaping up to be one of the better eras uh, in a very long time in that city. And of course, the Sixers playing our Celtics. We do talk a little bit of a preview. By the time this episode is out, the game one will have been complete. However, we did have the conversation before it got underway, and you might see a little bias on either side of it, but it's going to be interesting nonetheless. Talk to Adrian for about about a half an hour, so we'll get right into the conversation. Hope you enjoy it. Let's not waste any more time. Adrian aboard the fan wagon. Here we go. Okay, so let's start with that. You just you're fret you're a, a beat reporter for the Eagles. You're fresh off the Super Bowl. The Sixers are in the second round of the playoffs, and the process seems to be taking a, a turn, a, turning the page on that. How exciting is it to be a fan in Philadelphia right now as an overall sports fan out there? Oh man, we, we feel invincible at the moment because we, we went through so much angst and anxiety and anxiety for for you know, say 20 plus years uh, with this city. And then, and then all of a sudden, like, it all just went away because the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And not only did the Eagles win the Super Bowl, then you had another local team, Villanova. I mean, I fuck Villanova. I went to Temple, but, you know, whatever. Uh, they, they won it all. You had that happening. And, and, then the, and then the Sixers go, and they win 19 games in a row. So, so now you have this, like, feeling, of, oh, man, they're never going to lose. So there's this feeling of invincibility with the city at the moment. And it's like if you talk down at all, you, you just get ridiculed. So you, you, you can't you can't keep it real here in Philadelphia at the moment because everything's all jolly and good. And that's not the way it usually is in this city. At well, all. Leo, you and I talked about this too before. We did a, a little bit of a playoff preview and we questioned and I and I know outside of Philadelphia, uh, there's a lot of people that questioned the legitimacy of the win streak uh, just based on the timing that they did it. And, and Leo, you, you, you were talking about that yeah. too, where you were thinking that it might, you know, there are some teams that were either out of contention or that were resting guys. We had a couple of theories. So how, how do you guys respond? I didn't even know Colin Coward was another guy, another Fox sports guy who uh, pissed off a lot of Philadelphia fans uh, calling him a bunch of phonies or whatever it was. But how do you guys react to that in the noise? Does it does it infuriate you guys? Does it bring you guys closer together? How does how is that outsider view of the Sixers particularly help? Well, the funny thing about me is is like I, I might not be the fan that you want to bring on because I keep it real and unbiased. So that's why I, we have you on, Adrian. <laughs> so I'm not like. I'm not that like glass half full guy. I'm I, I I'm like somewhere in between. I'm I'm never I'm never too high and I'm never too low. Uh, but you're right because I wrote about that. So the, only three of the teams that they played during the the 18 game winning streak to close the season were playoff teams, um, and the rest of them were kind of bottom dwellers. Now the positive thing was, I mean, it 
it was the way that they were winning these games. It, I mean, they were they were just destroying their competition. It was complete annihilation. So it's not like you're beating these basement teams by two or three points. I mean, they're they're blowing these teams out. They're winning by like twenty to thirty points. So uh, that's that's like the positive you know way to look at that. But I mean, I, you guys aren't wrong. I mean, they didn't beat anybody to close the season, and you know, it's it's that's fact. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I'm, I feel like the only team that they really went through and they actually played very well was the Cavs, right? The Cavs are right now they're barely winning uh, at any or playing Indiana right now for Game Seven. But yeah, most yeah, of the teams that they faced. I DVR'd the game because I was working, so I haven't seen it yet. So don't don't say. Yeah. Okay. 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 You're good. <laughs> <laughs> Same with me. Same with me. That's why I keep turning my head. I'm like, oh. But, uh, yeah, a majority of the teams that they faced were all going uh, – I wouldn't say all, but majority of them were going for the lottery pick, right, except for the Cavs. And then they put the spanking on the Cavs. By, but just like a lot of young, inexperienced teams do, they take their foot off the actual gas pedal, right, and they let back. And then that's when LeBron was like, cool, let's go ahead and catch up, right? And that's where they barely won because LeBron missed uh, uh, those free throws at the end to tie the game. But Philly overall um, – I, I've been telling people for a while now, I think Philly and Boston are definitely going to be the top two teams uh, in the East for years to come, right? I feel, I feel like there's no going to be, you know, Toronto's good, but Toronto, once they get to the playoffs, they disappear. They played uh, very well right now. This last uh, playoff seat are serious, right? But I, I still don't take them serious. I think you can't ever count out LeBron because he's LeBron James, the best player of our generation. Um, but yeah, Philly, though, you know, again, they played a lot of uh, weaker teams. They They showed that they're for real in my opinion the, the, a lot of the offseason signings that they made a lot of the people that they picked up when they were bought out of their contracts from other teams specifically yeah. uh, Bellinelli uh, I always have a hard time saying that name for some reason but they just fit that system yeah they, they just fit that system very well and I do think seven sisters are going to push us to the limit but I think because of Brad Stevens I think we're going to beat them in seven games I personally feel that way especially with us having um home court advantage this series but uh, overall, like it's, I'm excited for them. Even if if, if they get past us, I, I I truly feel they're going to uh, face LeBron, and I think they may yeah. eliminate LeBron. I, 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 I truly this, believe that. Yeah, I mean, I I uh, I don't think this is going to be an easy series by any means. Uh, I I know a lot of people wanted Boston because of the whole rivalry thing and all that. I wanted to play Milwaukee. I, I wanted to get the home court oh, yeah. and, and beat up on the Bucks a little bit. I, I think they could have won that series in like five. I think this is going to be a little tougher. I do have the Sixers winning. I mean, maybe that's the bias in me coming out. Uh, but but I got it like six or seven games. Uh, yeah. Now, the, the one thing, I'm, I'm going to try to find my article. Because I, I actually went and I dug up all the the games that they won. Like, they, they've been just destroying teams in the third quarter. They've been, yeah, they've been coming out of halftime and just, oh, just yeah. blistering their opponent. And, and that's something that you want to see, obviously, out of, you know, one of the better teams in the league. Um, that's kind of how you judge a team, how they come out after halftime. And uh, it, it was, and they did it even against Chicago. So I'm, I'm looking at my Philly influencer stuff right now, see if I can find this. Do you get that feeling at all that Leo and I talked about when Kyrie was was out for the, for the rest of the season and that was confirmed? It was almost a sigh of relief in a sense because I don't think the Celtics, even with Kyrie, were going to be real contenders in the championship, regardless if they got there or not. And now it's house money. I look at the development process. You know, you guys call it the process. We just don't have a name for it in Boston. But in Boston, they have their own process going in this rebuild. And now you have guys like like Tatum and Brown, uh, Rozier, who I actually thought would, I didn't think he'd play this well, but I, I figured this would be big for him. But you have guys that are going to be bench players next year that are getting 
experience that they otherwise would not get. And, and here they are now making big shots. They're in a situation they're really not ready for, but they have to respond. And I think that's going to pay off next year and the year after. Is it similar in Philly right now? Because you have guys like Simmons, who's in his first playoffs and beating their first playoffs and getting that first taste of it. Do you, do you have that same sense that every game played, regardless win or lose, every game that you play in the playoffs is going to pay dividends, you know, a year, two or three down the road? Oh, sure. And and even some of the games that they won, they won game four in Miami committing 27 turnovers. I, I mean, they went won, won this game, and they had no business winning it. And to win a game like that, to win an ugly game like that, I mean, that's that's what builds a character for, for a team moving forward. And a guy like Ben Simmons, who took over that game, uh, Joel Embiid was struggling. Uh, and Ben Simmons, I mean, he gets knocked for – not being aggressive enough. Well, he had the most field goal attempts in the second half in that game. He had 15 of his 17 points in the second half of that game, and uh, they went on and won. Uh, Simmons had that big drive near the end. I mean, they, they always talk about LeBron and, and how when it gets to crunch time, he either passes the ball or he, he settles for a jump shot. Well, Ben Simmons, he just took the ball and he went right to the rack and he dunked it. I mean, how many times do you see LeBron do that? You know, just he should – he, he plays bully ball. He should be playing bully ball in the final minute, too, and he doesn't sometimes. And to see see that side of Ben Simmons in that game, I, I thought that that was the big takeaway there. So not only overcoming a, a game where you turn the ball over 27 times and you win, uh, you, you have Ben Simmons growing up right in front of our very eyes. So um, it's it, it's this last month, man. I mean, just I, I don't know what happened that this team just all of a sudden – Sudden uh, turned the corner. I mean, you, you talked about the Cavs game where they blew that big lead. I mean, that's what they were doing earlier on the season. They, they were going up 20, 20 points, and they're losing these games. Well, they actually won that Cleveland game. And, like, I remember they were coming back. I'm like, oh, here we go. This this is the Sixers team that I know. They went up and winning it. So, you know, it's, it's it's it seems like they've turned a corner a little bit. The thing I love about Ben Simmons, I feel like he is aggressive, but he is a, a pass first. He's similar to LeBron as, as a rookie, in my opinion. But the thing about Simmons as well, uh, I want to ask you a question, but uh, if he develops a right hand, he cannot dribble from what I've actually analyzed watching multiple games with him in it, right? He takes it a lot to the left, right? So if I'm a coach, I'm saying, hey, cut off his left, force him right, and a lot of the damage will be okay, right? He won't actually do much. But because a lot of teams and coaches are not doing that, he's getting his way. I mean, he's a... What, what is he, seven foot almost? You know, point guard with yeah, the wingspan, exactly. you know. Yeah, and, he, and he's powerful too. I mean, he's he's strong. And Simmons, Simmons, you know, sky's the limit. He's going to be something special for this league, and I'm very excited that he's in it. However, I don't think he's a rookie for this year because me personally, I don't consider him a rookie, right? That's one. Just like Blake Griffin, he was out that first year, came back one rookie of the year next year. I wasn't a fan of that, right? I, you know, though great Blake Griffin was amazing or whatnot, but – I, I truly believe is when you get that experience, you're like, hey, you, this is your first time around it, right? Whether you're playing or not, that's the rookie of the year. Ben Simmons is incredible. He is. He definitely is. But I, I would give it to uh, Dominic Mitchell or I'd give it to uh, Jason Tim. If Jason Tim didn't have that, if he didn't run to that rookie wall uh, back in like, you know, December, January, I would have given it probably to him. But uh, right now it's Mitchell for me. So what's your thoughts about that? Yeah, I, I hear you. I mean, I mean, according to the rules, uh, I mean, Ben Simmons is a rookie, but like yes. I agree with you in that sense. It's it's his second year in the league, so he should, mm -hmm. you know whatever. But uh, I mean, I I don't really care that much about the rookie of the year. I mean, you're not going to hear me fighting about it. Like five years from now, are we really going to remember? Like if if Malcolm Brogdon won rookie of the year, you know that yeah. thing. Yeah. 
So, uh, I, I mean, it pisses people in Philadelphia off, I'll tell you that. If, if you bring oh, up yeah. Donovan Mitchell's name, yeah, they're, they're burying you. <laughs> I mean, they're like, no, you're crazy. Um, and I love it. I love the trolling that Mitchell does too with all the shirts to say rookie, the billboards and everything. That's, that's, I love that. That's straight competition. And that's amazing to see in my personal opinion. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, by the way, I, I did, uh, I did pull up the stats here. So, uh, during, during the 17 game winning streak, uh, says they were outscoring opponents 514 to 385 in the third quarter. So 30.2 to 22.6, uh, was nice. the points per game. Outscored their opponents by double digits in seven of those games, and they were only outscored in the third quarter uh, three times. So right, nice. there you go. And, you know, even bringing up Bellinelli and, and Ilyasova, uh, the Sixers were 25th in bench scoring for the longest time. I mean, they were getting nothing off the pine. Obviously, Mark Fultz was, you know, kind of whatever the hell was going on with him. Jesus Christ. Boston was okay with the Markel yeah. Fultz situation. I'm pretty sure we can speak on all Boston fans for that one. But oh yeah, I love that. <laughs> Celtics definitely won that trade. We <laughs> we won yeah, that trade. We'll see about Markel moving forward. But uh, yeah, it doesn't look good right now. Um, so the the thing about those guys too is is they're they're spot up shooters, and the Sixers didn't really have that many shooters besides JJ Redick on their roster. I mean, you could say Covington, but he's like a streaky shooter, and. The, and the thing that helps with that, obviously, is you have Ben Simmons and his driving, driving kick ability. So um, you, you got all those guys in the fold. And then, and then even the way that uh, they like to run, I mean, they, Ben Simmons will, will take a rebound and just go coast to coast down the floor galloping like, like a thoroughbred is the way I like to put it. And, and these shooters, they, I mean, they spot up behind the arc on, on these fast breaks. So yeah. um, that's that's how the Sixers have been playing since these guys have come on the roster. What's the latest on Fultz? Yeah. He, has been, he has been playing a lot from what I remember seeing in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I he doesn't – his his body doesn't look like it's ready for the playoffs right now. I mean, they, they, they played a physical kind of opponent in, in the first round in Miami, obviously, and they went to T.J. McConnell instead of Fultz off the bench. So – I, I can see his uh, minutes being very limited moving forward. I, I don't know how much of a contribution he's going to be. He uh, he seems a little uh, slow to, to process right now. Uh, pun not not intended there. Mm-hmm. Uh, with like the, <laughs> like because he's got that spin move and and it's a dirty spin move. And yeah, so nice. he'll drive it. Yeah, he'll drive along the wing and, and he'll go to the spin move and he creates space and separation and he's got an open shot. But then he'll like not take the shot and yeah. he just yeah. does a little bit too much right now. So yeah. uh, that's, that's kind of what he's got to do. Just like kind of slow down a little bit. I, I, I don't know. How to word it. Uh, what, what's your thoughts of, of them drafting him? I mean, you have Ben Simmons. I mean, we honestly, I don't think we all saw that Ben Simmons was going to be this good from the get go. Right. He's been good. I think ever since game one of the regular season this year, but what, what's your thoughts of them drafting a point guard when you actually already have somebody like, you know, Magic Johnson, like, and ben yeah, so I I think they drafted him to be a scorer, like to be more of the two guard. Because uh, mm. when you have when you have a Simmons being kind of like that passive aggressive type, uh, you'd like to have that kind of scoring punch at the two guard spot. So that that's kind of the way I looked at the pick. But you know, looking back, I mean, in hindsight, and and even when it happened, because I, I have no idea why Brian Colangelo made the swap. If 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 Boston was truly thinking that Jason Tatum was the number one player in the class, you didn't have to accept the trade. You just let 
Boston take Tatum. You knew that L.A. was going to take Ball. So you stay at three and you take Markel Fultz. But, you know, that's that's Brian Colangelo for you. And that's the beauty of Danny Ainge, too. I don't think Danny Ainge actually tipped his cap saying that, hey, we want to draft Tatum. Uh, You know, he pretty much was saying, hey, we want to trade this pick because the guy that we get, we feel we'll get him, you know, later on, plus get more assets that we can use to our advantage in the future. And that's essentially what we did. So we'll stop. I'm pretty sure Brian Colangelo drafted Rafael Harujo for the Raptors, too. I'm not sure if that was in his era. So Colangelo is... and Bargnani, there's that's it. Bargnani was yeah. the big one, yeah. And uh, yeah, see, I live up in Canada, so I understand that the Raptors are everything here when it's basketball. So the Bargnani years were fun being a Celtics fan, that's for yeah. sure. But you know what? I, the reason why I asked about Fultz was I'm interested to see how he's going to respond if he gets the playing time, if there's a, an opportunity that we might see that killer instinct or something that we haven't seen before, because here you are in a prime situation to be a difference maker. Uh, you know, because you don't have like, you know, when you have Simmons and Embiid there, but now you're going up against the team that, you know, turns you over to the Sixers and the other draft pick is playing a lot better than, than he has the whole way through. So I'm wondering if we might see a new, a new Markel Fultz come out in this one to just try and prove people wrong and, and put a bandaid on the criticism that he's had. Yeah, it, it the the way it kind of feels, it it feels like they're basically just going to yeah. wait till next year, uh, sort of deal. I, I I really don't. It doesn't seem like he's going to play that much. I mean, if if TJ McConnell is getting the minutes over you, that clearly doesn't show a lot of confidence. Do you think they'll bring him to? You think they'll bring him uh, next year and have him start as the uh, the two guard because JJ Redick only signed a one year deal with you guys. So do you think you know Red Red or Redick yeah. you know bells out goes to another team or you know and they ship folks there or what's your thoughts behind yeah. that? I'm I'm hoping that they re-sign Reddick and, and bring Fultz off the bench. Yeah, give him another year to kind of transition a little bit. Yeah. You know, so how based you you grew up in Philly, so I want to ask you how exciting uh, is the is the feeling in the city right now with your current sports situation? Is it comparable to any time uh, in the past? I know the Sixers kind of had a, a run with the in the Iverson era, and then you had the Phillies, who kind of seemed like the forgotten child, at least outside of Philadelphia. We never hear about the Phillies, yeah. um, but when they had Howard and everybody there, so how does this rank in your lifetime as a as a sports scene in Philadelphia? Yeah, this is number one right now for, for my lifetime. Now, if you talk about previous lifetimes and before I was born, you did have 1980 when all four teams were represented in the finals, uh, but only uh, the Phillies won it all. So that you had the Sixers and the Lakers. That was obviously the, the whole Magic Johnson. He, w- he was a rookie. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar got hurt. Everybody in Philadelphia thought that the Sixers were going to win the NBA title because Jabbar got hurt and then you know, game six happened and Magic Johnson had that memorable triple-double, obviously, with like 40-plus points and just a huge monster game. Uh, The the Phillies beat the Royals to win the World Series. Uh, You had the Flyers in the Stanley Cup and then the Eagles. Uh, That was another team that that Philly thought were going to win it all uh, because you were playing a wild-card team in in the Raiders back then. That was the first wild-card team to to win a Super Bowl. Um, But but right now, it has to be. That I mean, you, you just had the Eagles win the Super Bowl. Not only did they win the Super Bowl, they won the Super Bowl in the most rocky way possible, the most Philadelphia way possible. Did, I mean, and just Wentz goes down and just like that, oh, here we go again feeling. Oh, mm-hmm. there goes another season. It's wasted. I mean, you had Wentz playing like an MVP, and he goes down, and you're just like, yep, season's over. I, I, I took a lot of heat on my, on my show. I was like, dude. 
Don't even talk about Super Bowl. It's just going to make me sad. It just makes me depressed. I don't even want to talk about it. They're done. They're not winning anything. Are you serious? Nick Foles, he's not going to lead the Eagles to a Super Bowl. And then Doug Peterson, the way that he just orchestrated the offense and built it around Foles and implementing all those RPOs, just a, a, a magical you know, coaching uh, job by you know Dougie Fresh, <laughs> Big Balls Doug, as we like to call him here in Philadelphia. Uh, so just wow, dude, that playoff run, man. And, and you know, they, they got a little lucky in the playoff run too, because some, some of the teams that they don't fare well against were not in the postseason, like Green Bay, like Seattle. So they got to beat up on, on the Falcons. They barely won that game. Thank God for Torrey Smith right before the half, you know, the ball got kneed up in the air and, and you got that going happening for you. Uh, so they get the three points right before the break. And obviously the game was decided by five points. So if it wasn't for that field goal, well, you'd be looking at Matt Bryant kicking that field goal at the end for Atlanta, and the, the Eagles would be done in, in in the divisional round. And then you had Minnesota. Like, thank God, because I knew that we were going to beat up on Case Keenum and company. So you had that happening. Uh, so 38-7 to there. And then New England. <laughs> I couldn't believe they beat them. So... That was that was insane too. For me, the the turnaround, and I had a feeling Philly was going to win, is when Cuts went down with that concussion. So once he went down and pretty much took away Brady's deep threat weapon, I was like, man, okay, they're going to play well. But both defenses sucked the entire game into that last strip. Yeah, you know that was that, when that happened. I'm like, damn, Philly, the Eagles are really going to win this. That's yeah. that's crazy. Couldn't believe it. I lost twenty bucks. <laughs> is that what it hit you did you did it not really strike you did you know they were gonna win it, it, it like i i thought like somebody was somebody was just like gonna still rip away the super bowl from me i mean i i did not think it was over <laughs> until that hail mary literally fell to the ground that that's what i finally was was able to celebrate even after that strip sack i'm like up oh, this is brady this is the patriots we are the eagles this is philadelphia we we know heartbreak we are the epitome of heartbreak we know it's going to happen again. And then it just didn't happen. And they actually won. It was, it was just unbelievable. And it obviously, like, the Phillies won 10 years ago. But that's not that's not the Eagles winning a Super Bowl. The, the Eagles winning a Super Bowl is just complete pandemonium. I, I was a block away from Broad Street. So you can imagine oh. uh, how crazy it was on Broad Street. Somebody literally ate her shit. I have no idea why he did it. But yeah. <laughs> uh, you had people climbing up, on, climbing up on the light poles. And, oh, yeah. man. They got to grease them up. In 2010, 12, 14, we didn't eat no horse shit. We, we were climbing up, you know, poles. We were flipping cars or whatnot, lights up on fire, but we didn't go as far as eating horse shit. So you guys definitely, uh, yeah, are more insane than us. <laughs> that's that's the difference. Really in New York, that. We're yeah. insane. We're insane. Yeah. <laughs> we eat horse shit. <laughs> Well, if horseshit isn't enough of a reason to segue, I don't know what is, but I do want to shift gears uh, to the NHL playoffs. The Battle of Pennsylvania between the Flyers and the Penguins was a series I was looking forward to in the NHL playoffs, but I want to know what the perception was in Philadelphia. I mean, there was a lot of great storylines through the whole series, uh, Couturier probably being the biggest one playing through the injury that he had, but everything considered, how did that series fall or how was it perceived in Philadelphia with everything going on? Yeah, you know, it's funny. This year it seemed uh, a little different because of how, how the Sixers are going. Not, not that nobody cared about the Flyers, but it was kind of like an inevitability that they were going to lose to the Penguins. They, nobody really gave the Flyers a, much of a chance. And and the funny thing leading up to the Sixers' playoff run was, well, Joel Embiid in that mask and, and whether or not he should play. 
you know, should they play it safe and hold them out of the first round series? Or, you know, should they trot them out there and, and let them play through the pain or whatever? And to think about that we were actually debating that and you had a guy playing on a torn MCL, it just doesn't compare. I mean, these hockey players are, are, are insane. They just play anything. And then, and then you hear uh, even the thing with um, with Simmons and, and what he was playing through. I, I think it was like a some sort of pelvis injury. So he was playing through that all season long. And then you had Couturier with, with the hat trick on a torn MCL. And it's just yeah. complete just shenanigans right there. Uh, and that's that's what Philadelphia is, though, man. That's that's what we're all about. Yeah, you you uh, you, you Canadians, man. You, you guys know how to party. You guys know how to yeah, and you know, I, I'll tell you what. Just to give give you guys credit, like a lot of your sports teams, not not only, obviously you guys are known for the hockey side, but you look at the Raptors and and how crazy that crowd gets, and uh, you think about the Blue Jays and how loud it got when they were in the postseason. Um, it's it's among the loudest uh, among all, all the sports teams that that I can think of. Um, you know, it's funny because like it's like some of these niche towns, like like even Oklahoma City, for just throwing that out there for for basketball purposes and how loud it can get there. But uh, right now, it's it's really loud in Philly for the Sixers, man. I'll, I'll tell you that. Uh, two years ago, um, I had a buddy that that worked as, uh, I guess, a, a PR person. And, you know, it was, it was impossible to try and sell tickets, like, like these season tickets. They were basically giving them away. And and now it's like just ringing off the hook. It's They're raising prices. They're jacking them up. Uh, just obviously – Complete 180 from what what it was two years ago when it was a hard fought 10 win season. My first Philly sports memory, you'll appreciate this. 1993, Philadelphia Phillies, Toronto Blue Jays. The old, uh, as it still echoes around yeah. our airwaves in Canada, touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run yeah. in your life. We don't like talking about that. Oh, we love talking about it. That's uh, that's about the last success. We don't bring that up. That was the last success we had as a country. God, we had the Blue Jays won the World Series that year. The Canadians, as much as I hate the Habs, they won the Stanley Cup. And that's that's the last time we were at a championship in Canada. So, And that that's why I'm anxious to see yeah. the Raptors this year because this is their year. If they don't win it, they're never going to win it. Well, not for a very long time anyway. You guys actually have something in common that I want to ask you to the question of, right? Speaking of Blue Jays and, and Phillies, Roy Halladay, how do you guys feel? How's it, how's it hitting you guys over there in Philly? Because I know he had – a lot of great years in Philly as well as in Toronto as well. So uh, both of you guys, what are you, what are you hearing around, you know, friends, families, people who follow sports, who follow baseball and actually know who that player is. How does that personally impact them? That, that hit me hard. Um, just, just because of what you know about him as a person and what he was. Um, I mean, and obviously like Toronto, I, I think he might've meant a little bit more to Toronto. I mean, he was here in Philly though. And, I, I'm sure they'll they'll put him on the wall of fame and, and all that stuff. He obviously had the no hitter in the postseason, so th- there was definitely a legacy that that was that's going to live on here in Philly. Um, but I, I, I'm trying to think like all the athletes' deaths that I've ever been through. He he definitely hit me the hardest. I mean that that was a really tough blow when he uh, unfortunately crashed in, in, into the to see there. Yeah, that hit close to home. I mean, you have to understand for a real long time. Roy Halladay was the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, he played through some of the darkest times in franchise history, a time where they never made the playoffs. Yet he came in day in and day out and competed and was one of the best pitchers in baseball on a team that was not very competitive. I mean, he brought a Cy Young 
award to Toronto and was probably the only glimmer of hope that the that the team had. I mean, he's one of the top three greatest Blue Jays of all time. And at the time when he was there, you would plan your trips to Toronto just to watch him play. I mean, that was a time also where the Blue Jays were going through some awful rebranding efforts where they had this ridiculous black and uh, kind of light blue jersey <laughs> was just not well received by the Blue Jays fans. But at the end of the day, no one cared because Halliday yeah. was the face of the Blue Jays. And that's what you went to see. And I think the Blue Jays did a great job honoring him, retiring his number and putting the, uh, the, uh, his number on the wall of honor. Also a really nice moment uh, during spring training, his son, uh, who's now pitching for the Canadian junior team, yeah. uh, they had an exhibition with the Blue Jays and he had yeah. an opportunity to pitch against the Blue Jays. And it was a, yeah. um, it was a real nice moment to see the, the standing ovation from both teams that was caught on uh, mostly highlights. I don't think the team, yeah. I don't know if the game was being played on, uh, on TV yeah. or not. And probably the second biggest moment, the, uh, I think the biggest moment of the spring training, of course, was when the Blue Jays had their annual trip to Olympic Stadium uh, and uh, Vladi, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, was playing and hit a home run. Not only a home run, but a walk-off home run uh, to that win was, that game, that was which was a big dose of nostalgia yeah. for Canadian baseball fans. But, you know, when it comes to Halliday, the Blue Jays did a great job. They're at that part in their history now where, you know, they, uh, they have some longevity. They have some, um, uh, I guess, some some legendary moments within the franchise history. This one is a, a tragic moment, but they'll use it, honor it, and move forward with it uh, by honoring Roy Halladay and uh, you know what he meant to the Blue Jays moving forward. He'll never be forgotten. Wow, that was <laughs> that brought it down a little bit. Let's bring it back up, though. And that was a great question, Leo. But Adrian, I want to ask you. Now, reporter aside, I go to Philadelphia. We're going to hit a Phillies game. We're going to hit an Eagles game. We're going to hit a, a Flyers game, Sixers game, whatever it is. I want to know what I need to do when I'm there. So I'm going out with you. You're going to take me out on the town. You're going to show me Philadelphia and what Philadelphia is and what you need to experience when you're there for a sports game. So we're about to hit the town. Where are we going before a game? Well, you obviously got to get a cheesesteak. I mean, that that's the first thing. And you, and you don't go to the commercial spot. So, so you're going – I'm taking you to a place called Jim's or – De La Sandros. So th those are like the, the two best, in my opinion, in the city. Uh, I, I, obviously, everybody knows about Pat's and Geno's. Maybe you two. I, I don't know if you two know about that or not, but those are like the commercial places uh, in Philly. And, that, and that's what they always show on, on the Food Network shows is, oh, whenever you bring up, you know, Philadelphia and cheesesteak, those are the first two go to restaurants. But uh, Jim's is the best. And then De La Sandros, if, if they probably have the best meat, you know, in, in terms of how they season it. And you got to get the whiz wit, uh, with cheese whiz and, and onions and mushrooms and all that good stuff. So uh, make sure you don't eat anything before you get a cheesesteak because you're not going to eat anything for another 24 hours after you devour one. So does the beer still go down after that? Oh, the beer always goes down. The beer, beer always, <laughs> goes down, baby. Yes, sir. Uh, so so you get so you get the cheesesteak and then and then speaking of beer. They got a bar. Uh, you got Xfinity Live. So Xfinity Live is is right there where uh, the sports concourse is. So you got Citizens Bank Park. You got Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, you you got the the Wells Fargo Center, and and then you got well, and then you got Xfinity Live. So it's all there together. So before the game, you can get blasted if you'd like to. So you don't have to spend eight dollars for a beer inside inside the ballpark, and. 
you can wait until after the game and go back and drink some more. That's awesome. Now, uh, for people that are uh, that want to get follow you, maybe you can give us a little bit. Uh, where can people find you online? What's your your influence online that you like people to to reach out to you? Yeah, sure. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter at Adrian FedQ. Uh, FedQ is spelled F E D K I W. Uh, so make sure you, you uh, look for me there, or you can just type in the Bitter Birds in your search engine. Uh, you, you can find me that route. Um, I, I write for Philly Influencer. I also have a show on YouTube. So if you go on YouTube ever and you want to talk about the Eagles or watch the Eagles, whatever whatever you want to do, uh, you can follow me there as well. So sub me up at the Bitter Birds there. So um, there you go. Uh, I'll now, Adrian, I can't outlets. let you go without asking you to make a bold prediction. Do the Eagles repeat as Super Bowl champions, and can the Sixers make it to the NBA Finals this year? Yeah. All right. So I think I think it's going to be easier for the Eagles to repeat than the Sixers to win it all because, well, even if the Sixers get to the finals, you're not going to beat Houston or Golden State. Um, but I will say this. I think the Sixers are going to beat Boston. I know you guys are, are, are fans of the Celtics. Six games. Six games. Six games. Uh, and the only reason why I say six is because if the game goes back to Boston for a game seven, I don't know if the Sixers would win that, win that one. <laughs> <laughs> Leo just swiped his Celtics hat across the screen for Adrian. But uh, I think the Celtics take it in seven and for a similar reason about the home advantage. But I also hope it goes seven because we're watching history unfold right before our eyes and I'm excited. God, there, there was a question that was posed uh, during our last Philly Influencer podcast. You know, who are you most fearful of? on Boston, like whoever player that was. And I said Brad Stevens. And I think the job that he does, uh, I think he's a top three coach already in the NBA. You could even make the argument that he's the best coach in the NBA right now. What he's been able to do to just muster that roster and, and turn it into whatever it's been so far to win that series against Milwaukee, now you're going to have the Sixers. You may not even have Jalen Brown. Um, Brad Stevens is a genius. He's a wizard. So I'll just say that before I close and the fan wagon stops here, at least for this week. I want to thank Adrian Fedhew for coming on the show. Make sure to check him out on all the social media platforms. Make sure, if you haven't done so already, to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. I know we've had a little bit of trouble with Spotify, but we should be on there any day and pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple iTunes, subscribe, review. We always appreciate the feedback. And, of course, you can send us an email, if you like, at thefanwagonpod at gmail.com. If you have any questions, have any suggestions, let us know. It's your show. We want it to be the ultimate fan experience for you each and every week. So have yourselves a great week, and we will see you next time aboard the Fan Wagon.